Chapters five and six of the Curved Blades by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Five, a man's glove. Inspector Brunt and the young detective Hardy were interviewing the members of the household in the library, and the task was not an easy one. The two girls were distinctly at odds, and Gray Haviland, whether authoritatively or not, persisted in assuming a major role. It seems to me, Haviland said that it is the most remarkable mystery that has ever occurred in the experience of you police people now i think the wisest plan is to call in a big detective no offence mr hardy but i mean a noted fellow like stone say and let him get at the root of the crime i think gray and pauline looked very haughty that any such suggestion would come better for me i am now mistress of the place and it is for me to say what we shall do i know it and haviland looked no whit abashed but you know carloria is equally in authority even if he isn't here and you see i don't see that car's absence gives you any authority but it does in a way as miss lucy's man of affairs i ought to look out for the interests of her heirs at least for the absent one i'm sure loria would want to do everything possible to find the murderer has this nephew been notified yet asked inspector brunt yes returned pauline we've telephoned a cablegram to the city to be sent to him in egypt but i don't know when he will get it nor when we'll get a response where is he his permanent address is cairo but he is off in the desert or somewhere so much that sometimes he is away from communication for weeks at a time still i have sent it that's all i can do what did you tell him i made it rather long and circumstantial i told him of aunt lucy's death and that she was killed by a blow on the head by a burglar which fractured her skull i asked him if he would come home or if we should go there you see we were intending to sail for egypt in february who were myself my aunt miss frayne and mr haviland carrington loria has been begging us to make the trip and at last aunt lucy decided to go our passage is engaged and all plans made and now now i do not know everything is uncertain but if the burglar can't be found and punished i see no reason why i at least shouldn't go and make the trip the others must please themselves pauline looked at anita and at haviland with a detached air as if now they were no longer members of the household and their plans did not concern her not so haviland sure i'll go he cried i fancy carr will be mighty glad to keep me on in the same capacity i served miss carrington he'll need a representative in this country i doubt he'll come over there's no need if i look after all business matters for him what does he do in egypt asked the inspector who was half engrossed looking over his memoranda and really took slight interest in the absent heir he's excavating wonderful temples and things volunteered anita for pauline and gray were looking amazed at a man who came into the room he was the detective who had been left in charge of the boudoir and he carried a strange-looking object what is it cried pauline it's a blackjack replied the detective i found it inspector just under the edge of the tassel trimmin of the lounge the fellow slung it away and it hid under the fringe out of sight gravely inspector brunt took the weapon it was rudely made of black cloth a mere bag long and narrow and filled with birdshot that's the weapon declared brunt a man could hit a blow with that thing that would break the skull without cutting the skin yes there is no further doubt that miss carrington was murdered by a burglar this is a burglar's weapon 
this it was that crushed the shell comb to fragments and fractured the skull leaving the body sitting upright and unmutilated death was of course instantaneous but the jewels said detective hardy wonderingly why i don't know why said brunt a little testily that is for you detectives to find out i have to go by what evidence i find can i find a broken skull and a blackjack in the same room and not deduce a burglarious assault that proved fatal the thief may have been scared off or decided he didn't want the loot but that doesn't affect the certainty that we have the weapon and therefore the case is a simple one that burglar can be found without a doubt then we shall learn why he didn't steal the jewels but the snake said pauline looking wonderingly at the inspector the burglar must have been a maniac or an eccentric to put that snake around my aunt's neck after he killed her and nothing will ever make me believe that she allowed it there while alive that's what i say put in haviland the whole affair is so inexplicable excuse me mr brunt but i can't think it's such a simple case as you do that i think we should engage expert skill to solve the mysteries of it all that must come later and inspector brunt resumed his usual gravity of manner which had been disturbed by the discovery of the blackjack will you now please give me some detailed information as to the circumstances is the house always securely locked at night very much so answered haviland miss carrington was not overly timid but she always insisted on careful precautions against burglary she had a house full of valuable furniture curios and artworks besides her personal belongings yes the house was always supposed to be carefully locked and bolted whose duty is it to look after it the butler haskins and his wife who is the cook had all such matters in charge i will interview them later now please tell me any of you why miss carrington was arrayed in such peculiar fashion last evening i can't imagine cried pauline my aunt was not a vain woman i have never known her to sit before a mirror except when necessary to have her hair dressed it is almost unbelievable that she should deliberately don those jewels and scarf and sit down there as if to admire the effect yet it had that appearance but she wore the jewels during the evening did she not not all of them she wore her pearls because as she told us and as i have often heard her say pearls must be worn occasionally to keep them in condition but she added a large number of valuable gems or someone did after we left her last night whom do you mean by we miss frayne and myself we were in her room to say good-night to her and we left at the same time at what time about quarter past twelve i should think wasn't it anita we went upstairs about midnight and were with my aunt ten or fifteen minutes were your good-nights amicable asked the inspector and pauline looked up in surprise then recollecting the last words of her aunt she shut her lips obstinately and made no reply indeed they were not declared miss frayne miss carrington told both miss stuart and myself that it would be our last night beneath this roof that to-day we must seek some other home for she would harbour us no longer ah and why did she thus treat you there was no especial reason and anita's lovely blue eyes looked straight at the inspector with a pathetic gaze she was in a tantrum as she frequently was she didn't mean it put in pauline hastily she did asseverated anita 
i've heard her threaten to send us away before but never so earnestly she meant it last night i am sure and too she knew something would happen to her last night she said so what what's that do hush anita said pauline those foolish words meant nothing proceed miss frayne and the inspector spoke sternly she did went on anita i don't remember the exact words but she said i little knew what was going to happen to her and she said to-morrow you may sing another song surely such words meant something if they did said pauline angrily they merely meant that she was going to dismiss you to-day not at all and anita glanced at her she distinctly said something would happen to her not to me you know better than to take things she said in a temper seriously if we are to repeat idle conversations suppose i say that i heard you say last evening that you'd like to kill her i didn't shrieked anita you did declared pauline calmly and gray said she ought to be killed too i know you didn't mean to kill her but i've just as much right to quote your foolish words as you have to quote hers nonsense said haviland let up polly you two are always at each other as there is no question as to who killed miss lucy why rake up our foolish words spoken under the intense provocation of her exhibition of temper which was specially trying last night inspector can we tell you anything more of importance so far the inspector had been almost silent and appeared to be learning some points from the conversation not addressed to him now he changed his manner and began briskly to ask questions this glove he said holding it out was as you know found clasped in her hand is it yours mr haviland no said the young man as after a close examination of the glove he handed it back no it is a size smaller than i wear and it is of a different make from mine have you any idea whose it can be it is highly improbable the burglar left it i've no idea and haviland shrugged his shoulders but if it was not left by the intruder where could it possibly have come from it is a man's glove could it be one of cousin carr's said pauline aunt lucy was awfully fond of anything of his she kept one of his caps in her drawer for months after he left the last time no replied haviland it isn't loria's he wears larger gloves than i do my theory points to a sort of gentleman burglar a raffles you know and i think he talked with miss lucy before he struck that blow and disarmed her mind of fear what an extraordinary idea and pauline looked thoughtful but how else explain the glove and the snake did your gentleman burglar persuade her to wear that paper thing never gray you're absurd another thing went on inspector brunt returning the glove to his roomy pocket-book in the bedroom we noticed a glass of milk and beside it an empty plate was it the lady's habit to have a night lunch yes said anita but she rarely ate it in case of insomnia she had ready a light repast but she almost never touched it the glass of milk is still untouched said brunt but the plate is empty what did it contain a sandwich i think said anita that is what estelle usually prepared for her she will know estelle the maid miss carrington's lady's maid yes though not hers exclusively she was expected to act as maid for miss stuart and myself also at such times as miss carrington didn't require her services 
and she then brought the breakfast tray that is upset on the floor yes miss lucy always had an early cup of tea before she dressed for breakfast with the family and the maid took it to her this morning did she not then discover the the tragedy she says not cried pauline but i am sure she did she says she saw miss lucy at the mirror and thinking her engrossed merely left the tray on the tabouret and went away ridiculous exclaimed haviland what does estelle mean by such lies of course she saw miss carrington's strange appearance of course she was frightened out of her wits and of course she dropped the tray and ran but why not say so and why not give an immediate alarm she took that tray probably about eight pauline went up at nine what was estelle doing all that time why didn't she go in to dress miss carrington i tell you mr inspector there's a lot of queer work to be explained and with all due respect to the force i'm pretty sure you'll need expert advice if you're going to get anywhere and i'm sure too that if we can get word to carrington loria and back he'll say spare no trouble or expense to avenge his aunt's murder he is equally heir with you pauline and he ought to be consulted the will hasn't been read yet said miss stuart we can't assume anything until that is done pshaw you know perfectly well half of the bulk of the estate is yours and half cars i have a small slice and miss rain a bit the older servants have small legacies and there are a few charities that mr brunt is the gist of the will do you not agree with me that as i was the man of business for the late miss carrington i am justified in the absence of mr loria in continuing my services at least until we can get definite directions from him those matters are outside my province mr haviland miss carrington's legal advisers will doubtless come here soon and such things will be decided by them now here's another point i noted in the course of our investigation in the boudoir a quantity of powder fallen on the floor near the dressing-table in such relation to it that it would seem miss carrington was using the face-powder as she sat there was this her habit her habit yes said anita miss carrington was in the habit of using face-powder even cosmetics it is not strange then that such a proceeding was part of her night toilette no not at all agreed mr brunt but where the powder was thickest on the hard floor near the rug was a muddled spot as if someone had wiped out or swept up a mark or a print can any of you explain this no one spoke and the stern voice went on i remember miss stuart that you began to say something bearing on this while we were in that room and you suddenly stopped appearing confused i ask you why pauline hesitated bit her lip looked at gray and then at anita and finally said i may as well tell it is nothing when i went to my aunt's room and found what i did find i was so excited and nervous i scarce knew what i did but i remember seeing a footprint in that powder and in obedience to an impulsive instinct i-i obliterated it with what with my handkerchief i merely slapped at it and the light powder flew about it why did you do this i don't know i had no real reason i was not thinking of what i was doing then you did not have a desire to shield someone from possible suspicion the words were shot at her so swiftly that pauline gasped suspicion what do you mean was it not the work of a burglar was the impression of a foot that you saw a foot of a man or of a woman how can i tell it was large but as it was a bare or stockinged foot i could not judge 
might not the burglar have removed his boots before entering the room he might indeed and that is just what he did do for more prints of that stockinged foot have been discovered on the stairs and there is no doubt that the tracks are those of the assailant of miss carrington with your permission miss stewart i will now go to interview the servants may i ask you to await me here all of you i shall not be very long as the inspector and the detectives left the room haskins appeared to announce mrs frothingham and count henri charlier six a neighbor's call oh is it not terrible what can i say to comfort you mrs frothingham's distressed tones and her air of eager intense sympathy met with little response from pauline haviland had been called from the room on an errand and anita's willingness to receive the neighbor's condolences did not seem acceptable the overdressed forward-mannered widow continued to direct her attention entirely to pauline and that young woman merely surveyed her visitor coolly and replied in monosyllables thanks she said and her icy air would have deterred a less determined intruder i simply couldn't help running over as soon as i heard the dreadful news for we are neighbours after all though not so very well acquainted and neighbours have a camaraderie of their own i think yes said pauline and her eyelids fell slightly with an expression of boredness yes indeed mrs frothingham rattled on and i said to our dear count we must run over at once there may be something we can do for the saddened ones thank you and had a marble statue been given vocal powers the effect would have been much the same dear friend continued the unabashed visitor i know how overcome you must be i am not overcome at all said pauline rising and determined to hear no more and i must beg to be excused mrs frothingham as i have many matters to attend to this morning ah yes of course you have we will not detain you the count and i merely called for a moment to inquire yes i quite understand miss frayne will be pleased to answer your inquiries thank you both and good morning with a polite but distant bow pauline left the room and as count chalier sprang to hold the door open for her he after a moment's hesitation followed her out a moment i beg miss stuart he said as they reached the hall you are offended at mrs frothingham's intrusion but have i not a right to call was i not such a friend of miss carrington as to justify this tribute of respect to her memory certainly count and pauline grew a shade kinder but i am not sufficiently acquainted with your friend to receive her visits ah no that is conceded but i pray you tell me of the sad affair i have heard no details that is unless you would rather not no i am not unwilling you were a good friend of aunt lucy's she was fond of you and i am glad to talk to some one let us sit here pauline indicated a recessed seat in the hall and the pair sat there she recounted briefly the story of the tragedy and the count was duly sympathetic pauline watched him closely and discerned great interest but little grief or sorrow a burglar of course said the count hearing of the cruel weapon how could any one attack the charming lady and the marvellous jewels she wore they were of course stolen no that's the strange part they were not ah how splendid and his absorbed air of satisfaction gave pauline a thrill of disgust at his cold-bloodedness and now they are all yours 
those magnificent gems the property most of it is divided between my cousin and myself your cousin mr Haviland? no he is but a distant connection i mean my first cousin mr loria now in egypt ah yes i have heard miss carrington refer to him he will come home i do not know we have cabled of course count charlier do you remember hearing my aunt say last evening that she expected something to happen to her i remember miss stuart have you any idea what she meant i but how could i know answer my question please the count's eyes fell and he shifted his feet about uneasily at last he said it is not pleasant to say such things but since you ask i may be permitted to assume that the late miss carrington had a regard for my humble self and she expected she hoped that her regard might be returned it may be so and that last night you might tell her so you honour me did you tell her so i did not miss stuart what might have happened had she lived i cannot say but i did not last evening say any word to miss carrington of my aspiration to her hand did you say anything that could have been taken as a hint that some time say in the near future you might express such an aspiration i may have done so thank you count charlier i had perhaps no right to ask but you have answered my rather impertinent question straightforwardly and i thank you pauline rose as if to end the interview in the doorway appeared anita pauline she said i wish you would come back and listen to miss frothingham's story it seems to me of decided importance you have something to tell me asked pauline returning to the library and looking at the unwelcome neighbour with patient tolerance yes miss stuart now it may be nothing nothing i mean of consequence that is you may not think so but i suppose you let me hear it and judge for myself yes well it's only this i was wakeful last night or rather early this morning and looking from my bedroom window which faces this house i saw a man climb out of a window on the first floor and skulk away among the shrubbery at what time was this and pauline looked interested at last about four o'clock he was to all appearances a burglar how could you tell was it not dark at that hour in the morning no the moon is past full you know and it shone brightly in the western sky enough for you to discern the man clearly i took a field-glass to assist my vision he stealthily climbed out and skirting the bushes made his way swiftly toward the great gates this is indeed an important bit of information mrs frothingham i dare say you ought to tell it to the police who are here oh i couldn't i'm so timid about such things but if you would go with me miss stuart miss frayne will go with you said pauline coolly you will find a policeman in the hall who will direct you where to find the inspector without another word pauline bowed in a way to include the lady and the count also and went away to her own room stuck-up thing exclaimed mrs frothingham and anita nodded her golden head in agreement inspector brunt instructed hardy to hear the story of mrs frothingham and he devoted his own attention to count chalier of whom he had heard as being a friend of miss carrington's he quizzed the frenchman rather pointedly as to his friendship with the unfortunate lady and the count became decidedly ill at ease 
why do you ask me so much he objected i was a friend yes i may have aspired to a nearer relation yes that is no crime not at all count said mr brunt i only want to find out if miss carrington's strange reference to something about to happen to her could have had any reference to you it might be so i cannot say but all that has no bearing on the poor lady's death no at what time did you go away from here count charlier at about midnight you went directly home to mrs frothingham's where i am a house-guest yes and you retired yes and remained in your bed till morning but of a certainty yes what are you implying that i had a hand in this affair no no be calm my dear sir i ask you but one question is this your glove the inspector took the glove from his pocket and offered it to the count the frenchman took it examined it minutely and without haste no sir he said returning it that is not my property thank you that is all and the inspector put the glove back in his pocket there is no doubt as to the main facts said the inspector a half hour later as with the members of the family he summed up what had been found out from all known sources the assailant was most certainly a burglarious intruder the weapon this blackjack the motive robbery why the robbery was not achieved and what is the meaning of the unexplained circumstances of the whole affair we do not yet know there are matters to be investigated but they cannot greatly affect the principal conditions you may be thankful miss stuart that the sad death of your aunt was undoubtedly painless and also that the thief did not succeed in his attempt to purloin the valuable gems the inspector's speech might seem cold-hearted but brunt was a practical man and he was truly glad for himself that in addition to finding the murderer he did not also have to recover a fortune of rare jewels now he went on as to the maid estelle i have talked with her but she is so hysterical and her story so contradictory that i am inclined to the opinion that she has some sort of guilty knowledge or at least suspicion of the intruder the man was stocking-footed and it is a pity miss stuart that you erased that footprint on the floor but it would have been of doubtful use i dare say we have found faint tracks of the powder on the steps of the staircase and though the last ones are almost indiscernible they seem to lead through the butler's pantry and to an exit by that window but the window was found fastened this morning so if it was used as a means for the burglar's getaway it must have been fastened afterward by some person inside could this person have been the maid estelle sure it could exclaimed haviland who was an interested listener that girl is a sly one i caught her this morning trying to take away that glass of milk i told her to let it alone why asked the inspector because i thought if she wanted to get it away there must be some reason for her to want it what was it nonsense and anita looked scornfully at gray naturally estelle would do up the rooms and would of course remove the remains of miss lucy's night luncheon but that's just it said haviland triumphantly she didn't take the plate that had had sandwiches on it if she had i should have thought nothing of it but she took the glass of milk in a furtive stealthy way that made me look at her she turned red and trembled and i told her to set the glass down she pretended not to hear so i told her again then she obeyed 
but she glared at me like a tigress oh rubbish said anita she was annoyed at being interfered with in her work and perhaps fearful of being censured all right said haviland then there's no harm done if that girl is entirely innocent what i said won't hurt her but she looked at me as if on a secret errand and a desperate one what puzzles me is mused the inspector why she persists in saying that she left the tray in good order in the room though it was discovered an hour later upset when we know that miss carrington had been dead since at least two or three o'clock look here inspector and haviland frowned if the murder was committed at two or three o'clock how is it that mrs frothingham saw the intruder escaping at four or later there is a discrepancy there admitted brunt but it may be explained away the doctors cannot be sure until the autopsy is completed at the exact hour of death and too the lady next door may have made an error in time well i'll inform you that estelle did upset that tray herself said pauline with an air of finality how do you know and inspector brunt peered at her over his glasses it was while gray was telephoning for the doctor said pauline reminiscently that i looked carefully at that overturned tray i know it said haviland i told you not to touch anything i know that but i did i picked up from the debris this and pauline held up to view a tiny hairpin of the sort called invisible it is estelle's she said see it is the glistening bronze colour of her hair anita has gold-coloured ones and i do not use these fine wire ones i use only shell moreover i know this is estelle's don't you anita it may be it is and its presence there on the tray proves that she left the tray fall in her surprise at seeing aunt lucy and in her trembling excitement loosened and dropped this hairpin doubtless she flung her hand up to her head a not unusual gesture of hers and so dislodged it brunt looked closely at the speaker you've got it all fixed up haven't you miss stuart pauline flushed slightly i didn't fix it up as you call it but i did gather from what i saw that the truth must be as i have stated and in my anxiety to learn anything possible as to the mystery of this crime i secured what may or may not be a bit of evidence as mr haviland has said if estelle is entirely innocent of any complicity in the matter these things can't hurt her but it would scarcely be possible for her to have been so careless as to drop a hairpin on the tray without noticing it if she were not startled and flurried by something that took her mind and eyes entirely away from her duties i think you are purposely making a great deal out of nothing remarked anita it seems unfair to say the least to condemn the poor girl on such trifling evidence the talk was interrupted by the entrance of the coroner and the two doctors it is found said coroner schofield that the cause of miss carrington's death was not the blow on the head the inspector looked his amazement and the others sat with receptively blank countenances waiting further disclosures no went on schofield we find in the stomach unmistakable traces of poison poison it was anita's frightened whisper who would poison her what kind of poison asked brunt aconitin deadly and sure it leaves little trace but certain tests reveal it beyond all doubt that is why we have been so long the tests are difficult of performance but it is over and we report that miss lucy carrington was poisoned by aconitin administered either by her own hand or another 
oh she would never poison herself cried anita who did it and the blow on the head said inspector brunt looking deeply perplexed her death from poison occurred at or near two o'clock asserted the coroner the blow on the head was given after life had departed incredible said brunt it is indeed inspector but those are the facts the heavy blow fractured the skull but left no bruise or mark nor was there any blood from the cut scalp in addition we have the poison found in the system and the death symptoms of quiet placid dissolution which are consequent always on that particular poison could it have been self-administered asked brunt not by miss carrington said dr stanton decidedly the lady has been my patient for years and she had an absolute abhorrence of all sorts of drugs or medicines she made more fuss over taking a simple powder than a spoiled child i have often prescribed for her knowing full well she would not take my prescriptions because of her detestation of taking medicine when remedies have been really necessary i have had to administer them while with her and a difficult task it was moreover my patient was not of the temperament or disposition to seek death for herself nor had she any reason to do so no the case is murder the poison was administered by someone who wished for her death and deliberately set out to accomplish it and succeeded is the action of this poison instantaneous asked brunt no death ensues about a half hour to an hour after the dose is taken into the system then we gather that the poison was taken in the neighbourhood of one o'clock last night yes agreed the coroner about one o'clock about one o'clock whispered anita in an awestruck gasping way and her great blue eyes stared dazedly into the dark ones of pauline End of chapters five and six